Well, welcome to Uplifting Impact. I am so excited. I have Keisha Gill here with me. Keisha has over 17 years of experience serving youth and family. She's actually in New York City. I know we have a lot of people (laughs) from New York who are listening. Keisha joined Good Shepherd Services back in 2015 as the program director of the community center in Red Hook. It's a, at a community center, excuse me, in Red Hook, Brooklyn. And she's currently the co-chair of the Equity Council. Keisha, I'm so happy to have you here with us. Yay, I'm excited as well. Thank you. Thank you. Of course, of course. So Keisha, one of my favorite things to find out from people is just why you decided to get into the diversity, equity, and inclusion space. Like, what was your entry into this work? So I, I've always worked with, with uh, youth and families. That's just my passion. And I've always worked in communities that represent me. So communities of uh, African-American communities, predominantly communities that are always, that are in need. All of my, my career has always been touch points of how do I help and I've always find that I every time I'm in a role I'm like there's a there's another way that I could help in this situation which leads me to my next step and I think it was about it was in 2012 and I was in a particular position working in um in the school and I realized that a lot of decisions being made for our young people but we weren't necessarily taken into it we didn't have the cultural humility and how we were approaching the work with our young people. We would, we can't, we would continue to contextualize our practice through a certain lens, but we weren't individualizing it for the community that we were particularly working with. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And then it was at that point that that's when I went back to graduate school one, <laughs> but <laughs> where I really began to think about how do we ensure that we are truly making decisions from a lens that's continuing to create equity and thinking about recognizing our privilege in the situation, if that makes sense. And so I began to think about that when in that role, as I would find myself always challenging leadership, always speaking up, always advocating, always wanting to be a voice for my young people. And and that has continued to stay with me. I continue to always want to challenge how we're doing things and always wanting to make sure that we are recognizing all voices at all tables and that we are making decisions that are centered around people and not just around our way of doing things. This is our way. This is how we've been doing it. This is how we continue to do it. This is our roadmap. This is the paper that we have with our outline. This is the flow but we're not individualizing that outline to take into account the individuals that we're impacting. So that's kind of like my desire to always want to impact change and be a voice for how we're thinking about how we're touching people in terms of our touch and our services. That's what I mean, if that makes sense. So one of the things, it does make sense to me, you know, I've done a lot of work. I've had the privilege really of being able to do a lot of work with young people And one of the things that I used to say all of the time is that we would sit in a room like a boardroom with a lot of adults who don't have the shared experiences of the young people that we're talking about and feel completely comfortable making all kinds of decisions on behalf of those young people. But I used to say that, you know, if a young person that actually was the recipient of these decisions, right, on the other end of these decisions were to come in this room. 
I have a high just notion that most of the people in this room fall out of their chairs. They wouldn't know how to communicate with that young person. They wouldn't have the right questions for them. They'd be very surprised by the answers that they would get if they did, you know, open up the questions. And so this idea of having the power to make decisions for people without having any of their voice in the conversation comes up so much in work when we're talking about work that's done with young people. And so not only does it make sense to me, I get it. And it's incredibly frustrating. And it also mimics the work in our communities in general. Like how Mm -hmm. are we ensuring that we have a clear understanding of what people's identified needs are versus our, us identifying what needs are. How are we ensuring that we're coming from a place that we're here to support in any way that you want me to, rather than what I am here to give you and you have to take it. And so it's just, I think it helps us to shift the conversation from, and also the power. Mm -hmm. It empowers community, it empowers community voice. And then it allows us to think about what is our real impact? What do we want our real impact to be? And it also allows communities to define what success looks like for them, where they want to be in 20 years versus us creating our plan for them. And so I don't know, it it really shifts it and it creates a real partnership. I love that work. I mean, that I don't know if you remember this from our conversation a couple of weeks ago. We had a lovely conversation before. Don't be jealous, (laughs) listeners. (laughs) But we were talking and I told you that that is how I define my my own personal life mission, which is to shift power to marginalized communities. So when you said that, I just got goosebumps up and down my arms because when we want to think about sustainable change, not having all of the voices at the table, it seems like counterintuitive. How how mm-hmm. do we think these changes that we're investing money and dollars and resources and you know brains into, even if it's good intentioned, how do we expect those things to stay if we don't you know include people? So I love that, and I have another question for you. Okay. okay. How how do you do that, Keisha? How do you make sure that you are ensuring that you have the voices of the communities that you hope to serve at the table? Ooh, I have a vision. (laughs) Tell me your vision. (laughs) I have a vision. My vision is that in any community that we are partnering, and that's my new word, partnering, not serving in, any community that we are partnering in, we are encouraging and helping to set up an, uh, an advisory board. Every community should have a table where they are able to make their own decisions. And we are, we can ask for a seat at that table. We are not leading the conversation. We are here as partners. And and it's almost, we. how do we give up decision-making power and allow a real collaborative voice around what is coming to the community? And how do we help equip with maybe some education knowledge tool sets and some skills building around what advocacy looks like. How do we help our communities have the same access to the tables that we have access to? Why does it always have to be us? It's really giving up a sense of power that we think we have and that we may think that we're entitled to because of where we sit Mm -hmm. on the totem pole. Does that make sense? 
Yeah. I um, mean, why are we, why are all the power tables, the ones that we've set? Why don't we go and sit at somebody else's table, ask for a seat at their table, like completely change the, you know, I, I, we talk a lot about making room at the table that other people can join mm-hmm. the table, but if you've already set the table, you've laid out what the table set, you know, what the, the, where the placements are going to be, who's going to sit where, who gets the head, you know, what's going to be served. And you've made all those decisions. That's somebody coming to your party, but how mm-hmm. do we request an invitation to their table? Right. And, and what let I them set that, that's that. I and like it, your vision. Starts, it starts with relationships and, I, and yes. it's happening. Like I'm not, I'm not here to say it's not happening. It's happening. I see it happening in New York. We have so many amazing agencies and we, they're big on building relationships. How, who, like, how are we coming into communities? Who are the people that, how are we there when it's not just a crisis? Mm-hmm. How are we there when it's not just a holiday and we need to give out things for an event? Where is the presence on a daily basis and just participating? Do people even know who you are? Do you feel like you're a part of this community? Just, or is it just because you're there when you're doing your services mm-hmm. or you're there? It's like, I think it's, a, it's about building relationships and it's about really connecting with people. And it's about really feeling like, or coming to a place where you are as an agency or an, a representative of an agency, you're also a part of this community. And you don't want to do them any harm because if you do them harm, you're doing yourself harm. And so it's just like you're really taking that. It's very intimate. And then I think we're getting to that place where we are seeing each other in our humanness. And we're coming from that place rather than the title that I have or the where I sit in my agency. And and I'm seeing that. That's happening. But I want us to keep that in mind as we continue to create our visions and our strategic plan. So Keisha, you are an expert at doing that. I mean, this is where you have really thrived in your work in creating those kinds of relationships and building them and helping organizations grow and helping your colleagues grow and being part of community. But there are people who are listening to this who think that sounds great. I think Keisha's vision is awesome. I have no idea how to do that. So if you were to say to somebody, here is how you can go from, you know, just showing up every once in a while when it's good for you to really developing meaningful relationships, what kind of advice would you give to to that person? Well, one of the first, I'm not an expert. (laughs) (laughs) I am definitely still learning and growing in this work. And I think the very first part of it is doing your own work. This requires your own personal reflection. We have to look at ourselves in the mirror. We have to make sure that even we have our own biases and we come to the table with our own prejudice and preconceived notions. Mm-hmm. And it's not just the big organizations and it's not just someone of a different race. I'm a black, I'm an African-American woman and I have my own biases as well. And sure. I think it's important for us to make sure that we're aware of that first. We have to do our work. We have to grow in our own understanding of things. I think one of the things that I'm recently really I'm trying to understand is Cultural competency versus cultural humility. So talk to me about that. And I'm, that still, me. and I'm still understanding it, but I think the difference is that I could read about your community. I can have this broad understanding because 
I've read the statistics for the past five years. I've looked at the school. I've looked at the employment rates. I've been by it several times. I've been working here probably for five years. That I think that I have an understanding of how things flow. Mm-hmm. But do I really? Do I mm-hmm. really? Just because I had that under or my own understanding of how what's really happened or what I think is happening doesn't mean I really understand until I really am sitting down with people and I'm listening to their stories that I'm able to really feel and get a real sense of what the culture is. And we have to take a step out of our book knowledge and what we think we know about mm-hmm. communities and about people and really begin to tap into relationship building. Something that's really important when we're doing this work is we have to understand what we're committing to and what we can commit to. Every agency's work is different. Sure. Our missions are all different. And so sometimes we have to make sure what is our lane? Because sometimes we might try to do so many different things that we overextend ourselves. We don't execute well. So we also have to understand what is it that, what is our intention here? What right. is it that, what can we actually accomplish? What do, what do we have in our toolkit that we can provide or share? And then also, are we willing to really invest? And I'm not just saying invest in our time and how we show up. Are we going to invest the money? Mm-hmm. Are yes. we going to invest the money? Right. Where are we going to allocate some funds so that this work becomes a priority? I think that's one of the themes that comes up a lot with my guests is this idea that you can have all the learning you want to have. You can even build really great relationships. But at the end of the day, you also do need resources. You need some resources to be able to take that learning, to take those relationships, and then to be able to push them further and take some action. So mm-hmm. that that idea of of taking relationships and resources and blending them together is is one that, you know, again, it comes up again and again. And also, how do you combine your resources? I right. think the other important thing mm-hmm. is who else is doing the work? How do you share your resources? How do you share your knowledge? And how do you collaborate around the work that we're trying to do? I also think it's particularly with DEI work because it's a, it's a new trend. And and that's sometimes, but how do we, as an agency, we're part of a lot of continuums. How are we as providers coming together to think about our practice together? How do we create a continuum around DEI work and what this can look like amongst all of our agencies? And how do we learn with together with our community members and how we approach this work? That's humanizing. So when you uh, think about your work right now and, and what you're doing, you know, where do you see opportunities for that kind of collaboration? Because well, the resource people are always saying, we don't have enough resources. We don't have enough resources. And it seems like one of the solutions might be just to say, let's work together. Let's, let's take our resources and let's pull them. Maybe we can get farther faster together. So what are some of those kinds of opportunities, Keisha? Well, when I say resources, I do... And I and I'm think and I do want to clarify financial resources is real. The need for yes. from financial resources <laughs> right. is definitely real. But when we're collaborating with other agencies, what are the training opportunities? Mm. Do you have these trainings already available in your house that my individuals can partake in? We are we have these particular that. programs happening and we're building out this. 
let's cut, maybe you can, we can collaborate around planning. We want to do this in our community and we want to begin to work on creating this. And I know that you have your community over here that you're working. How can we do this together? How can we mirror each other? I think mm-hmm. it's really around having these conversations, learning and working together and just realizing what do I have that I'm already doing that can benefit you? What do you have that maybe we can share? And also beyond that, as we're talking about creating a continuum of practice, really looking at the work we're doing in our programs. And and it's something as simple as our hiring practices, onboarding, offboarding, our work in our schools, like a lot of different agencies are providing these services and everyone's hiring. What do these practices look like across our continuum? Yes. Like if we, if, if people like, let's, for example, say New York City, if all of our agents, and, and, and a lot of agencies are a part of continuums. That's how we, that's how advocacy can just work that way sometimes. Right. But if we are all, and these conversations are happening, and I'm not introducing anything new. And if we are, if we are saying that, if all of our agencies are mimicking each other in terms of creating an equity hiring practice, what does that mean when different people are going to job interviews? You right. know what I mean? Right. We're, 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 we're setting a new standard and we're already shifting, not just one agency. We're shifting agencies right. practice as well, we're hope, working together. I hope a lot of the reason why we decided we were going to do this podcast was because we were trying to create that space that, you know, that place where people could hear really great ideas, take those ideas, build on them, put them into their continuums and really see them grow. Because like you said, if we're just doing things inside of our own little bubbles and we're not sharing that information, and if it's really great, good practices that are changing the equity lens in our organization's then we're 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 beho- we're holding something away from you know the larger community and the larger opportunities for growth. So that is right on point. And and I and I will say that it just right now a lot of agencies it feels like is on board. Like this work is becoming paramount on a lot of agendas. And there's a lot of the people are committed. It feels like just from what I'm seeing, That's there's awesome. a genuine commitment to really digging in and doing this work and shifting some of our, well, this is the way we've been doing it. We want to make sure that we are having the impact, really creating space for Mm -hmm. a lot. And I don't want to say change lives. That that seems very, uh, what's the word? Cliche-ish. I (laughs) I know what you mean. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) And there are, there's a lot of opportunities for that right now. In terms of continuums, like if you right. look within New York City, you have so many different networks of providers that are working together. Like, and, and as we continue to go through different challenging points in our times, that's right. going to, we're going to see it more. Absolutely. We're going to continue to see that. So. Well, Keisha, I'm so glad that you have poured into this continuum because I feel like all the people who are listening here today are going to be able to walk away with some very good points. You know, we're going to be thinking about how do we share our best practices? We're going to be thinking about how we set not just our own tables, but how we request to join other people's tables, how we can think about power in a different kind of way. 
you were talking a lot about agencies and the way that agencies support. And when we think about, you know, organizations here, I tell people the things that you're doing in the nonprofit world are the same things that the for-profit world should be doing and vice versa, right? Because a lot of these are practices that really can benefit everybody. So Keisha, I just want to say thank you so much for joining thank us today. If, if people want to connect with you, what's the best way to do that? I am on LinkedIn. Great. K-E-E-S-H-A-G-I-L-L. Excellent. Fantastic. So we will make sure that we put Keisha's link to her LinkedIn in our show notes. But Keisha, I just want to say thank you so much for what you're doing for young people and how you're doing it and all of the people that you're that you're bringing along with you. We're just we're so pleased to be connected with you. Thank you. And I'm realizing more and more that this is just my passion changing however way I can, impacting however way I can. That's awesome. Fantastic. Well, we'll talk to you soon. Thank you so much, everybody, for joining us for another episode of Uplifting Impact. We can't wait to see you on our next show. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.